on this episode of Why Watch That. It is all about what's not being said. Subtext, subtext, subtext. Yes, and the writing beautifully glides above that subtext. And then they have these wonderful actors. Oh, my gosh. Is it her boyfriend who's 26? Mm. Who wants to get married? Whoa, whoa. Or is it her boss who's her age but doesn't know it? (laughs) (laughs) But the cast, in all its glory, was able to navigate us through all of that jargon that you may have missed and by the end of it you're impacted and you can't wait to see what's going to happen next why watch that as a podcast featuring the critic and referee who go head to head on a quest to discover the best movies and tv shows hollywood has to offer Expect the unexpected from the critic. Well, nothing gets past the ref. We do all the work. So you don't have to. Welcome Welcome to to Why Watch Watch That. Presented by Dynamic Network. Why Watch That Insider. Ladies and gentlemen. It is a day of mourning. Oh, look, everybody, the ref is really going through it right now. I'm going to help her as much as I can. 2016 has been a real crap year for the most <laughs> part. I mean, that's not true. We all have life and we're breathing and we've got two legs and, you know, all those wonderful things. But you've got Prince, David Bowie, Maurice White, people being elected that we don't understand. And now Rectify is gone! (laughs) You know what? Bear with me, audience. In fact, if you've listened to our podcast, 1.0 and 2.0, you know how much we at Why Watch that love the TV show Rectify that was on Sundance TV. And it is in... It's over. The finale happened. Four seasons come, gone, boom. That is it. However, we here at Why Watch That, as we did with The Good Wife, want to hang our flags at half-mass and (laughs) nod to the amazing creation and world and journey that um, Ray McKinnon really has taken us on for the last four seasons. So we are paying homage to good old Rectify. We sure are. And just so you know, everybody, if you haven't watched Rectify, those four seasons... it's a total of 30 episodes. Yeah, so it's quick and easy and painless. Yeah, that's right. Not, not painless, but there was, it was painful. Yeah, it's a lot of pain, but it's worth it. Yes. So what we're going to do is we're going to... Okay, very, very briefly, you know Rectify. We talked about it like a nauseum. It is about um, Daniel Holden, who very quickly, he was accused of murdering uh, a a young girl at, and raping, raping and murdering a young girl at the night at 19 and was yeah. sentenced to death row, not 19, maybe 18. But for 18. 19 yeah. years, he was on the verge of like, he didn't know when it was happen, going to happen. He was on death row, secluded in solitation. Um, nobody could visit him. It was terrible. Well, for the most part. Um, but what ends up happening is his sister, Amantha, and along with her friend, um, lawyer, uh, John Stern, played by uh, Luke Kirby, con- is constantly over and over again appealing into the fact where they get it all the way to the point where they find that in the DNA that there's no way that Daniel could have 
raped her. So then he's let out and he has to deal with the world from that. So that's it. That's, that's the plot. It, yeah. And it takes off from there, really. It's, it's how do you move forward or backwards in your life as a free person when you've been on death row for 19 years. Yeah, and when he's let out, just to let the listeners know, it's not like he's scot-free. They're no. coming after him. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And then also the, uh, the, the other, the flip side of that is not only Daniel's life has been interrupted and um, totally in chaos, but also his family has taken a huge toll um, his father has died. Uh, his mother's remarried. His mother has another child, but his mother's gone through great depression. His sister can't move on with her life. She's a very intelligent, successful person, but her life is on hold. You've got the town who's never healed from that. It's just been crazy town. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. And his stepbrother, uh, his stepbrother's wife. I mean, you know, all of these people are affected. And what we see from season one to season four is the evolution yeah. of these characters. It's like just when everybody, if you're watching, you go, okay, it's time for them to turn that corner. They do. Mm-hmm. And they don't do it in a way that shouts at you. That's the wonderful thing. This is the South. It is all about what's not being said. Subtext, subtext, subtext. Yes, and the writing beautifully glides above that subtext. And then they have these wonderful actors. Oh, my gosh. These wonderful actors who do their jobs. Yeah, yeah. There's never a moment where you go, "Mm, is that what you would do? Yes, they would. It's very clear without it being said. Mm -hmm. So it's a wonderful master class in that kind of delivery of writing and acting and directing and editing and everything else you want to say. So by the end of all of this, everybody remember that title. Yeah. Because of course, in the finale episode, when writers know it's coming, they can plan for all of your characters to come back who are missing. They can plan for us to see into the future. And the wonderful thing is out of all of this despair and tragedy and heart wrenching stuff, There is hope still. There is still room for dreams. What I loved about the ending, because while we don't see the full resolution of everything, we can imagine it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And also, um, like you said, we were toying, you know, they, they toyed with us, whether Daniel is innocent or guilty. We won't say on the show, but you do find out. Mm hmm where that stands you do find out how he can move forward from 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 that information now being out there but the beautiful aspect of season four to me wasn't so much about the family as it's been through one through three but it's about daniel's new family who are he lives in a covenant house um and that's a, a rehabilitation house for men who have served prison terms, long extended prison terms, to get them reacclimated into society, but without throwing them out there. They help them with job search. They help them, um, for, you know, with trade or, or with housing, what have you. But they also, most of all, help process like that PTSD. I mean, basically, they're survivors of traumatic instances, and they form a family. And we see these amazing new characters. Just when you thought, like, why would you introduce new characters? It made total sense. You've got Pickle, who's sort of uh, the, the head of the... He's a prisoner who 
who did it. He did it. Um, but he's rehabilitating his life. And he really is a mentor to all the young men. You've got uh, another young man who is Pickle's best friend or Pickle's friend who sort of also is a mentor. He's kind of like a rough biker looking kind of guy. You've got young bucks who buck the system and challenge Daniel and challenge the other, um, I was going to say inmates, but not, but the roommates. And you see what kind of prisoner he must have been. And then obviously you've got the counselor who's really trying to manage, you know, these men who at any point, at any moment, Literally, and that's what I love about Rectify is you don't know who's mm-hmm. gonna break and how they break, yeah, and when they break. And we see Daniel mm. breaking. Uh, look, and that moment, I was eating. I had to stop in midair with the spoon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I so. watched it three times. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it, it is like you said, and and we also see because what happens is everybody Daniel has to leave. He has to go to another state for reasons you'll find out, and so he has to encounter new people. Yeah, and along with um, his fellow uh, brothers in that house, he also finds a uh, love interest. What? Yeah, and you know that's played by Miss Caitlin Fitzgerald, who is from Masters of Sex. Um, so. You know, she comes in and she's an artist. She's preggers. Yeah. Not by Daniel. Not by Daniel. Daniel, But she sees something in Daniel. And it's always nice because Tawny earlier on did this. And now her. It's almost for us as viewers where we, we see that part of Daniel as well. So it echoes in some of these characters. Um, because even in toying around with whether he did it or not, they do the same thing with Daniel. Does he believe he did it or not? We yeah. aren't even quite sure on that count yeah. until the end. Yeah. So, I, you know, hey, Rectify is the just the best example of slow burn TV that yes. you can ever find. It is the best example. You're right. If, if you ever want to know how to do slow burn TV or film, that matter yeah yeah this yeah. is how you do it you have to keep the tension going you, you have to go. keep developing the characters in a way but not moving it in a way that's too fast too abrupt or implausible and not giving the the the, the wonderful thing about rectify is and we'll, we'll sort of end it here because we can go literally i could i know the critic could just keep going with this yeah the thing about rectify is that it, it was a blessing and a curse for them to not have all this notoriety because every single year I'm saying, where are the nominations? Yeah. Where are the awards? Yeah. Where, where's the attention? And we know that the critics, the TV um, Critics Association, along with other critic associations, they're liking it. They're, they're acknowledging it. But the good thing that came out of them not being massively um, successful is that two things. Number one, you're going to catch this on Netflix and you're going to go, where was I? Why didn't I? And you're going to thoroughly enjoy it. And the second thing is they, Ray McKinnon could stay true to the story. He's an actor himself. He's a writer. He's a director, but he could stay true to the story without playing into popularity because in the hands of anyone else, any other network, this could have been dragged on and on. But again, the critic gave you a big hint. The show is called Rectify. And you really need to get 
to that place as quickly as possible in a slow burn way. Yeah. And that's that's the delicate that's the delicate dance that Ray McKinnon was 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 doing. Yeah, this is poetry in motion. Yeah, I agree. Well listen, it ain't over. Meaning, Rectify is right now seasons one through three. You can catch it on Netflix. I'm sure you can catch it on Amazon Prime. I'm positive that you can go to iTunes and download it if you want to. Season four right now, if you have Sundance access to Sundance TV and you want to download the app, you can hurry, 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 hurry and watch it then. But I tell you what, if you go fast, if you go slow, you will never, ever be disappointed with Rectify. We will miss you, and we loved you here at Why Watch That. (laughs) The Why Watch That Talk. Oh, how we missed you, TV. (laughs) It has been a while. I mean, we have been going to screenings after screenings, after screenings, just sometimes two, three a day. Uh, we have also, geez, had so many, sc- literally bags of screeners and links and such. We are movied almost out because it's the award season, but we're not going to abandon our good friend TV who will do the same to us come <laughs> at the end of the winter. <laughs> Um, we want to talk about some of the shows that have said ta-ta, either for good or for now. Mm. And um, a lot of the shows we've watched, we have been faithful to some of these shows. So we're going to give you our opinion, our take on how those shows have ended either their series or their season. Let's start with <laughs> PBS's. Paul Dark, take away. <laughs> oh my goodness! So, Paul Dark, this is season two has just ended. We've got Ross Paul Dark, and we know that ref he just can't catch a break. This guy, I tell you, you know what? I have a beef with PBS. I have to say, oh. I was, I was with you. I was watching Paul Dark, yeah, and then they snatched it away off of their app, and. I couldn't watch it anymore unless I had a paid subscription monthly to it. So I I was not very happy about that. That's right. They want to do that. And just a heads up for everybody. What's going on is if you use the PBS app, uh, I think it's just a two week limit. So once the episodes air, uh, the episode airs, you have two weeks to watch it for free. Then you got to pay. So that's what's going on with that. Now back to Poldark. (laughs) Okay. So Ross Poldark played by Aiden Turner. We know he's married. We know they have a kid. Yes, they do now. Yeah, yeah. But his love, you know, his love, his childhood love is now a widow. Oh, okay. oh, mm-hmm. oh. Yes. So the question is, who is he going to be sleeping with? I'm sorry, everybody. Oh, yes, that my is question. Oh, dark. Yes, and something happens that changes those relationships for good. Oh. Also... Because his love interest, okay, because his love interest, Elizabeth, is no longer, no longer has a husband, and she has a kid, she needs a man to take care of her, because everybody, I'm sorry, this is back in the day when that's what women needed, women had no agency, unfortunately, so 
who is she going to marry? Is it going to be Poldark? Is he going to get a divorce? Or is it going to be someone else? Oh, my goodness. Oh, gosh. Oh, boy. I know who you're talking about. Oh, Of my course God. you do. And at the end of the season, you know who is in which place. And all of this changes things. And, of course, the grandmother of the husband, okay, is sitting back going, mm-mm, to all of it. Now, Poldark is now in a new venture, a new wheel, of course, and it has yielded no results. They really want, I think it's bronze or something. I can't remember which metal. But at the end of the season, everybody, things are looking up. No, Jeez. Yes. He gets some success. But of course, is that success flawless? Is it taint-free? Because his wife, Demelza, the question is, is she going to stay with Poldark or not? Because she is not one to be trifled with. No. No, 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 no. So that's where we end this season. The question is, are these relationships going to hold or are they going to splinter when it comes to the next season, season three? And will Paul Dark's luck streak when it comes to business continue? Wow. So that's Paul, Paul Dark on PBS eventually. I'm sure it'll be on Amazon Prime or something like that that you'll be able to see and catch up if you missed out. Let's switch to pitch. Yeah. Um, Before we do, just know, everybody, Paul Dark is a ridiculous period piece romance. That's what it's for, and that's why you watch it. Okay. No, you just ruined my little clever... Uh, switch to pitch. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Switch to pitch on Fox. <laughs> and this is, yes, that um, TV show on Fox, new, first season, only 10 episodes, where it stars a Jenny Baker, who is a female, we talked a little bit about it before, who is pitching for the major leagues in baseball. Um, she's for the Padres. And uh, I tell you what, this season has its ups and its downs. Jenny Baker is now introduced to stardom in its full capacity. She's no longer just in the minors, kind of getting by with the stuff that she got by with earlier. She's dealing with things like her private life being exposed, what date she goes on, who she's dating, old pictures that she may have taken with some old flames. She's dealing with family members coming back into her life who may be shady or... Shysters. Shysters. She's dealing with how to manage her manager. She's dealing with also how to play politics in Major League Baseball. But the big kicker of the season really is Jenny Baker is dealing with, as a professional athlete, a co-worker. Mm. A teammate. Ooh. A teammate who's taking her under her wing. Or his wing. Mm-hmm. A teammate who is the catcher. <laughs> <laughs> and if you have any kind of relationship outside of professionalism, that can get a little sticky. And we see that being explored this season. So for me, Pitch is one of those shows that is solid. Um... In that, if you just kind of want um, mindless, if you, if you don't want to have to get too invested and you're just sort of doing something at the same time while you're watching Pitch, you can totally carry on um, and get carried away 
with pitch and it's um, sometimes unrealistic uh, feats that they go on but at the same time the cast is 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 pleasurable so yeah, I, I agree. And, and I think it was smart of them just to have 10 episodes in this season. That was enough. That was the perfect number. Let's move on to Younger on TV Land. Uh-oh. This is its third season, and I still haven't watched one episode, but I'm eager to do so. How dare you? I know. <laughs> oh, it's Oh, no, no, no. Now, look. So for Younger, everybody, we are at the end of season three now. It just ended. We know Liza Miller, played by Sutton Foster, 40 years old, pretending to be 26 years old so she can get a job in publishing. Okay, some people know, some people don't. At the end of the season, someone else gets the news. Oh, no. And this someone else, I will tell you, is played by Hilary Duff. So this is Liza's great friend, Kelsey Peters, and business partner, actually. They have an imprint at the publishing house together. Mm. So that's where they leave us, where Liza tells her, and we don't know what the reaction is. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Liza, you know, Liza really can't determine which man she wants. Is it her boyfriend who's 26? Mm. Who wants to get married? Whoa, whoa. Or is it her boss, who's her age but doesn't know it? Ah. <laughs> And uh, that's uh, her boss is played by. Wait a minute, I'm missing his name. Anyway, so that's the question between those two: Who's she going to choose? And once she decides, is that person still going to be there waiting for her or not? Mm, because she is told by somebody in this uh, finale, "You are a liar." Liza. And we can't argue. Look, we love Liza because Sutton Foster does a great job. Yeah. She's a big liar. I mean, and she has a reason, but she's lying all over the place. Plus, her ex-husband wants her back. <laughs> okay. Oh, dear. Okay, that's too much going on. All right. Moving there on to Atlanta um, on FX. And this was a... Oh, wait a minute, Ref. We've got to tell the, the listeners to watch Younger. We are recommending that. Okay, well, well uh, all these shows, if we're giving you the plot line, we're, we're telling you. Atlanta on FX, and we've talked about Younger 80 million times. You yes. definitely like that one. <laughs> um, Atlanta is, is, it completed its first season. This is Danny Glover. Danny Glover. <laughs> What's his name? Donald Glover. Donald Glover. Not Danny Glover. That would be an awkward show. Um, Donald Glover's <laughs> first attempt at his own show. Of course, we know he's written for um, uh, uh, Thirty Rock, and he's he's just he was on Community. He's uh, the childish Bam- Gambino. We also have talked about Atlanta, but now it's done. So tell us where we are left with what we're left with. Look, Wait. Donald Glover plays Earn Marks. He he is a Princeton dropout. We know this. We know his cousin is the rapper Paperboy who's come to prominence in this season. We know that Paperboy's uh, great uh, friend is played by Keith Stanfield. He's Darius, and he just sees things that no one else sees. I'll tell you that. Yes, he does. And he has uh, his baby mama, sometime girlfriend, sometime not. We don't know. Played by Zazie Beetz. I love her name. Hmm. And that's Vanessa. Okay, now Vanessa is a teacher, she has a problem in this season with that because she does something that leads to her yes. keeping that job. Uh-oh. Okay. 
And they actually have an episode where we get the upper crust black people coming in. Uh Uh-oh, and that doesn't go too well. All right, so this, I'm not even going to summarize it. Atlanta is something you have to experience. You never know what's coming next from episode to episode. It is formless on purpose. It is visionary. It is just a great trip through a particular kind of African-American experience that has not really been represented on TV, especially not like this before. So Donald Glover, the childish Gambino, is on another planet, and we appreciate him for that. So if you haven't watched this yet, please just check it out to see whether it's going to appeal to you or not. It's certainly going to be a singular experience. This episode of Why Watch That is brought to you by Audible.com, the leading provider of spoken audio entertainment, providing digital versions of audiobooks for download to your computer, phone, and MP3 player. Sign up today to try Audible free for 30 days and get a free audiobook of your choice. Visit audibletrial.com forward slash why watch that to get your free audiobook now and to support our show. Back to why watch that. Let's move on to The Exorcist on Fox. Oh. And um, you know I'm not watching that, so go ahead, critic. Well, The Exorcist, just like uh, Pitch, had just 10 episodes in its first season. It just finished. It Now, they threw a little twist in here, Ref, because the question is watching it, how does this connect to the movie? It does. The question is, which character or characters are from the movie all grown up? So this family is possessed. Their younger daughter's possessed, but then that possession transfers to somebody else. So ridiculous. And the question is, can they stamp this demon out? But there is a larger plot going on with all of the demons trying to take over Earth. And we know why. It's the same old reasons with the fallen uh, angels and how they're jealous of humans and they don't believe humans deserve uh, what they've gotten from God. Okay. So there's a larger plot. They're trying to take out the Pope as well. So the question is, do they succeed with that or not? And And do the two exorcists, do they succeed or not? And is their job done or not? Boom. It probably isn't because there's another season. (laughs) And you know what? I I think that this was pretty successful. It's a Friday night show about The Exorcist. It gives you what you expect. Let's talk about Insecure on HBO, the surprise hit. This Ah. is with Issa Rae, along with an amazing uh, uh, new, basically new cast. She wrote it. She produced it. She starred in it. She did everything. Everything. Insecure, and we talked a little bit about it, so we have to go through the whole rundown. How do we end things? Because it is tricky. She was juggling a couple things. Well, look, we know that Issa Rae plays Issa D <laughs> in the show. She's a young professional. She has a boyfriend um, who is trying to be a professional. They're all graduates of of uh, Ivy League institutions. You know, we're in this land here. And her best friend, Yvonne, uh, played by Yvonne Orji is Molly Carter. She's a powerful attorney. So we see them living life and trying to deal with their relationships. That's really what's what it's about. Not only uh, personal relationships, but also relationships at work. How do they fit in with white society? 
So all of that's here. And that's where you get insecure because Issa's never quite sure of what to do. Now, she has her eyes on an ex-boyfriend of hers who has, she's never quite gotten him out of her system. And he inspires her in ways that her current boyfriend does not. He inspires her to rap, which is great. I mean, that scene is just great when she raps. So at the end of this season, everybody, what does she do with this ex? And how does that affect her relationship with her current boyfriend? Hmm. And does her current boyfriend accept this or not? What's his response to it? And where Issa is left at the end may not be what you expect. Okay? This show is a comedy. It's created by Issa Rae along with Larry Wilmore, who was behind Blackish originally. But it ends on a dramatic note. And I think that actually they were pretty successful mm-hmm. in balancing the comedy and the drama. So this for me was a standout uh, along with Atlanta. Uh, I do like this new perspective of what being a young black person in this country is. Mm-hmm. So I, I'm looking forward to the next season. Mozart in the Jungle, um, which uh, let out all of its its episodes on Amazon. If you have Amazon Prime, you can check that out. Mm-hmm. I was able to binge watch that. And it's really easy with Mozart in the Jungle because it's only 21 minutes. Yeah. So And it's a comedy, so it moves pretty quickly. Now, in this third season, we, the maestro um, is in Italy. And, yes, he's in Italy. He's um, the 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 orchestra is still on strike. They can't come to an agreement, so he just leaves. <laughs> and course. he comes across a prima donna, uh, who it well not a prima donna, it's ballet, but she is in the world of opera, a mm. prima donna. She's definitely a diva, mm. and it's played by Monica Bellucci. <laughs> <laughs> So they have her singing. So he comes across their, their, their paths and she has to make a comeback because she's been out um, and left singing and wants to make a comeback. And he is the only one who can help her come back. Now, the question is, what at what lengths does he have to go through to assure her success or demise? Oh. And her, she's known as La Fiamma, right? La Fiamma, of course. <laughs> Haile, or however he says Haley, she is on tour at the time. This is all at the beginning. She's on tour at the time with Andrew Walsh, who we met last season, and she had a little fling with, and ends up getting into some trouble with that. Finds her way back into um, Rodrigo, the maestra, um, back into his life and into his workspace. Mm-hmm. And we see that whole thing develop. It ends wildly. Of course. Then, in the middle of this in, of this season, we go back to New York and see if we can settle things with the orchestra because the orchestra misses um, everyone, and and we see how that sort of plays out. Bernadette Peters is back; she is on a binge. She's ready to get rid of the orchestras and their demands. Um, not not as, not maliciously, but she's just over this negotiation. And Cynthia, played by Shafan Burroughs, is no longer having the cellist. She's no longer having um, any reservations about telling where Baronet Peters needs to go. Oh. By the time you get to the end of the season, um, it really goes back to, as it always does, Rodrigo and Haley. Mm-hmm. 
And we find out that they're on and off again, sort of, we kiss, we don't kiss, we're professionals, we're not professionals. We find out at the end of the season that um, some decisions have been made. They make a decision to do something. And um, whether or not that would be a detriment to their working relationship or whether it be a plus, we don't know. I have to say, as a comment in leaving off of this, this was a wild season. I mean... The episodes, at one point they were at a prison, and it was shot as if someone, Jason Schwartzman comes back, it's shot as if he's holding a handheld and doing all these interviews. So so it's a lot of artistic endeavors that they were trying to explore, but overall, this season was sort of like a brush under the rug. It was nothing like the first two seasons, but we do love, you just love Rodrigo, you love Gael, he's just an amazing actor, and we're just curious to see what's going to happen next. Yeah. And now moving on to Masters of Sex. Masters of Sex, unfortunately, has been canceled. Yeah, I mean, you know, it happens. Gotta move on. You got those great actors. So, you know, we had four seasons of it. Um, You know, it had its ups and downs. I think season two was a down, and then they climbed out of it after that. Uh, This season, though, for me, I really enjoyed uh, we are now seeing the Masters and Sex name, or Masters and Johnsons, I should say, the Masters and Johnson name being spread. There are people taking their research. <laughs> That's not the only thing, apparently. Uh, of course not. There are people taking their research and trying to make money off of it. So um, Masters and Johnson are trying to protect their research and their name, all of that. And what happens is two uh, new employees come in who are also doctors to help them out because at the beginning of the season Masters and Johnson don't see eye to eye they don't even want to be in the same room together Mm. so they get in uh, two people coming in yes 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 and they have their own motives now these two new doctors are also swingers oh jeez that creates a problem because are both of them enjoying the swinging or not? And they pull in Masters and Johnson, really Johnson, to that. Okay. Now, the whole thing is about Virginia Johnson figuring out that maybe she actually loves Bill Masters. Bill Masters is moving forward finally. He's really finding himself, and he doesn't trust Virginia anymore. He's left his wife. They're getting a divorce. His wife is moving forward as well. She's finding love elsewhere. So everyone is really trying to figure out who he or she is. Now, by the end of this, who's with whom and how? If you know history, you can probably predict it. But the question is, at the end, and this is where they leave us off and we won't see, Masters and Johnson, are they on the same page? Are both of them ready to go forward in a public way with not only their work, but also their relationship. Mm, there might be trouble in paradise. So if you haven't seen Masters of Sex yet, I say check it out. I think overall it is worthwhile. You have great actors, Michael Sheen, Lizzie Kaplan, Caitlin Fitzgerald, who we'll, we'll talk about when we go to uh, Rectify. She showed up there. And others doing really great jobs here as acting. So even if the writing is wonky in that second season, I think overall, check it out. If you like it, keep watching. It'll give you enough 
for your enjoyment. Well done. Now we're going to end this very long uh, television recap of those shows that have ended with Westworld. Oh, bum, 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 bum. Oh. Already it's getting nominations from just about every entity uh, so far. It was on HBO. It was, um, it, I, they're coming back. Who knew? It's based on um, Michael Creighton's uh, novel, but he also had a hand in um, helping with the writing. It's created by Jonathan Nolan, yes, Christopher Nolan's brother, and Lisa Joy, directed by a slew of people. But the cast is amazing. I don't know if we talked about who's in this cast. Jeff Wright, Ed Harris, Andy Newton, Evan, uh, Rachel Wood. We've got James Martin, Anthony Hopkins, on and on and on. People showing up, Tessa Thompson. Um, we don't have enough time to really do this one justice because there are so many details of what leads you from episode one all the way to the end. But I will say this, and I'll let the critic take over from here. I will say the plot has nothing on the cast. The cast really shines a lot of light on the plot because it can get very confusing very fast. But the cast, in all its glory, was able to navigate us through all of that jargon that you may have missed. And by the end of it, you're impacted and you can't wait to see what's going to happen next. Oh, yes. That is so, so true. Now, Westworld is a park, everybody. When? We don't know. Where? We don't know. Okay, we know it's in the future and it might be on this planet. It might be somewhere else. We don't know. It was created by the character played by the great Anthony Hopkins and Anthony Hopkins' partner who's not on screen. But that partner's gone. So we have androids playing out the West, the Wild West. Rich people come, they can visit the park, and they can be a part of a myriad of storylines. So these androids are so lifelike, you can't even tell who's human, who's not. The only way you can really tell is they can't kill the real humans. That's pretty much it. Or so we think. We have all kinds of people going on. Now here's what happens. Tandy Newton's character, she's an android. She's a madam in a brothel. But she starts figuring things out. She has memories. Yes. Now those memories, this is what leads to a major change in the park for all of these androids, these characters in the stories. Because those memories by the co-creator of uh, Anthony Hopkins' character, he laid that in because he wanted them to become human. So the question is, how do you get that there? How do you get that kind of uh, sentience? Memory is the vehicle. So these memories, also with Evan Rachel Wood's character and others, they change them in ways that the technicians can't keep up with. Mm-hmm. And the major technician is Jeffrey Wright. Now, their twists and turns abound, everybody. Who's whom? What are they doing? When are we in time? All of that is coming forward. And by the end, because I'm not going to, I can't even get into all of these. Yeah, because there's so many traps. <laughs> yeah. By the end of this, everybody, things are a changing. There's a yeah. major shift. There's a 2.0. <laughs> yes. And watch out, everybody. Do you want to be in this park anymore? It depends on who you are. <laughs> boom, boom, boom. Westworld, we definitely recommend it. It is not um, for the wheezy at heart as far as some of those scenes go because there's a lot of there's a lot of Western kind of uh, 
of behavior and yeah. then it just kind of magnifies the humanity that exists um among the androids and among the humans listen oh my gosh that was i can't even breathe we have exhausted ourselves with television but we're not done we'll keep you up to we'll keep you in the know with the winter finales and such but for now you've got a great list you can start with. or end with ba 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 oh Thanks for listening. For additional resources, visit whywatchthat.com. Good idea, and we'd love to hear from you. So go ahead and leave comments, feedback, and you can rate us on iTunes. We'll see you next week. See you.